The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. Did you know that a hysterectomy is one of the most common types of elective surgeries for women in Australia? A hysterectomy is an operation that involves the removal of a uterus and therefore will end a woman's ability to menstruate and have children. So today on MediTalk, I speak with Dr. Stuart Selfinger, who is a gynaecologic oncologist, to talk to us about what is involved when considering a hysterectomy. When is a hysterectomy recommended? There's lots of different indications for hysterectomy. When we start looking at various cancers, so cervical cancer, uterine or endometrial carcinoma, and ovarian cancer, the core treatment for most of those uh, diseases will actually involve hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. But then there's a vast range of benign conditions um, that may require hysterectomy as well. Probably most commonly, abnormal uterine bleeding, so bleeding that's heavy or excessive, that interferes with someone's life, that probably hasn't responded to conservative modalities of treatment. Mm. Some women have very big fibroids, which are typically big benign muscle lumps within the uterus that cause significant mass symptoms and heavy bleeding. Mm -hmm. And more topically, I guess recently, is endometriosis. Um, Mm. And some women may need hysterectomy as part of their treatment of endometriosis. So they're the sort of the Mm. core reasons behind it, other than sort of in addition, there would also be women who need hysterectomy as part of surgery for prolapse or pelvic floor problems. So I guess they're the key indications for surgery. And then it comes down to which way you do the operation and, mm. and the risks involved in the operation and so on going forwards from there. Previously, around about 50% of women would end up having hysterectomy at some stage of their life. Mm. That rate has gone down with better uh, conservative um, measures for managing some of those um, symptoms, especially for abnormal uterine bleeding. Um, so the rate has gone down, which is a good thing, um, but uh, nonetheless, it still is a very common operation for women. And are there different types? I was doing some reading and I didn't actually realise there was <laughs> so many different types of hysterectomies. There is. There is a, there's a, um, three basic uh, routes of doing hysterectomy. Um, there's vaginal hysterectomy where all of the operating is done vaginally. Um, so there's the patient doesn't have any cuts. Mm. Um, that tends to mainly be done in women who have a bit of prolapse, so um, some weakness of the pelvic floor and descent of the uterus, and they may need a repair of the vaginal walls at the same time. Mm. Um, then there's laparoscopic hysterectomy, so that's where the operation is done through uh, usually three, sometimes four small incisions um, in the abdomen, so all of the operating is done that way. Um, Obviously, you can't get the uterus out through a half-centimetre incision. No. So <laughs> the the uterus is actually uh, delivered uh, through the vagina, but all the operating and the, the closing the top of the vagina is all mm. done laparoscopically. And then there's abdominal hysterectomy. So uh, that's when... Um, 
the operation is done through a cut on the tummy. Um, sometimes it's done through a, a transverse or a sideways cut, much the same as a cesarean section. Mm. Um, and sometimes it's done through a midline incision, which is an up and down cut. And depending on the pathology that we're dealing with, more complex pathology is more likely to need a, either a cut or an up and down cut on the tummy. The other important thing to discuss when we're talking about hysterectomy mm. is people get a bit confused by what we're talking about when we say hysterectomy. Yeah, what 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 is it exactly? So, well, hysterectomy is removing the uterus, mm-hmm. okay? So it actually doesn't have anything to do with your ovaries. Mm-hmm. Um, it's simply removing the uterus. When we say a total hysterectomy, what we actually mean is removing the uterus and the cervix because the cervix is really just the more fibrous bottom part of the uterus rather than a separate organ. Um, Some women will have subtotal hysterectomies where the cervix is left behind, but that's Mm. not very common at all. Um, So the majority of women will have what we call a total hysterectomy Mm. via whichever route we've just spoken about. Um, But the the total doesn't mean that their ovaries have been removed. And the ovaries, especially when we're talking about young women, uh, are the important thing because that's what produces your hormones and so on. So that's the really key thing. And and the way we've looked at ovaries um, at the time of hysterectomy has has changed in in what we what we do with the ovaries. So in years ago, um, when people had hysterectomies, they were removing both the ovaries and the uterus. And perhaps since um, as time has gone on, the importance of the ovaries and the part they play in our hormones and perhaps providing hormonal balance in our life, uh, in our bodies, is that the reason why, if you can leave the ovaries, you do? Very much so. I, I remember when I started training, which was too long ago, I think now, um, <laughs> and if, if a woman was having a hysterect- hysterectomy at the age of 35 or 40, they'd often have their ovaries removed, which wow. is very, very young to yeah. essentially go into a surgical menopause. And over time, that's gradually stretched out. And now we know that if women have their ovaries removed before the age of 60 for benign indications, mm. um, then their risk of death from all causes actually goes up. Really? So, yeah, so removing your ovaries uh, too early basically increases your risk of osteoporosis, heart disease, dementia. Um, so there's a whole range of, of potential downsides from having your ovaries removed too early. So we've become much more conservative on what we do with women's ovaries because we're well aware of the importance uh, of the ovaries. Yeah. So what part do the ovaries play in, in helping increase our life expectancy? Uh, it's, it's that production of hormones. Okay. Um, and, uh, and basically, if you have that taken away before uh, the menopause, then it's obviously very significant. But they still do make small amounts of hormones even after the menopause. Okay. And then what's the more common hysterectomy? You described the, the three different types. Mm-hmm. Is the laparoscopic one then the most most common? Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, even with the cancer surgery that I do, I probably do around about 90% of what I do laparoscopically. Mm. Um, Certainly, and the guidelines from all the big surgical societies suggest that women should have their surgery done via a minimally invasive route, whether that be a vaginal hysterectomy for women with some prolapse and who can Mm. have the surgery done that way, or via a laparoscopic route so that we avoid a big incision on the abdomen. 
because we know that the benefits of laparoscopic or keyhole surgery are very, very significant from the point of view of time in hospital, return to normal activity, um, pain afterwards. So all of these things are so much better with laparoscopic surgery. Mm. About If I look at my patients, probably about half of them go home from hospital the day after wow. surgery. I know it seems a little bit wrong, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> but no, but it means that it's people are recovering um, earlier from these surgeries it does, now? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, and one of the things is actually getting women to, to slow down a little bit yeah, after their yeah. surgery because a lot of them are feeling so good afterwards That's um, so good. that you, you're having to tell them, no, no, yeah. no, you, you have actually had a hysterectomy, so yes. let's just slow down, take it easy. You're yeah. not carrying washing baskets or and are you doing meant all to be this driving? kind of running are they, do, are they allowed to drive? Are you allowed uh, to look, drive? It, or? With a laparoscopic procedure, you're probably looking somewhere around that. 10 to 14 day range. Okay. Obviously, they need to be feeling comfortable enough and be yeah. able to do an emergency stop and so on. Whereas yeah. if you have a laparotomy, so if you have a cut on your tummy, um, you return to, you're probably then looking at about four or five days uh, in hospital for most okay. women. Um, and then you're probably looking at about five weeks back to normal activity, whereas a laparoscopic procedure, women are back to normal activity in around about two to three weeks for most things. That's very good. Mm. And then what are the risks involved in having this procedure? Mm. So, as with all operations, there's risks involved. Yes. Infection and bleeding are the two main risks. Mm. Um, when we look at infection, um, all women are given antibiotics uh, during the procedure to try and decrease this risk. But mm. there's bugs that live in the vagina normally. It's part mm. of the normal uh, sort of bacterial flora of the vagina. So, when you've got bugs that are living there and then you've got a bit of a cut mm. at the top of the vagina, there is then potential for the risk of infection afterwards. Most of the time that's treated quite easily with oral antibiotics, so mm. just tablet antibiotics, but in a small number of women, that they need to come into hospital and have IV antibiotics or antibiotics through a drip for a while. Then we look at the other structures nearby. Mm. Um, so sitting just in front of the uterus is the bladder, uh, behind and above is the bowel, and out to the side of the ureters. They're the tubes that go from the kidneys down to the bladder. Now, potentially any of those can be damaged uh, at the time of hysterectomy, but the rate of that's very low. So um, it can't cause incontinence or it can or...? So it, it's interesting. There's been a number of studies done looking at pelvic floor function mm. uh, with hysterectomy. Um, and the majority of those studies actually show that hysterectomy doesn't play a significant role in affecting pelvic floor function. Mm. Um, however, some women may have a pre-existing predisposition to these problems mm. and having hysterectomy or surgery can unveil those problems. Um, and we need to remember that everyone's different, so yeah. things are very, very individual from one person to another. Um, some women may find, may find things better, some women may find things worse. The other thing that um, uh, women ask about is sexual function yes. after hysterectomy. Um, now, the bulk of the studies looking at uh, sexual function after hysterectomy show no difference um, in sexual function before or after hysterectomy. And when we think about these women that are having hysterectomies, we know they've actually got significant symptoms. So they've actually got either big fibroids or they've mm. got heavy bleeding with flooding and clots that significantly interferes with their life. And when we look at that cohort of women who have symptoms and we look at their sexual function, it actually shows improved sexual function because yeah, right. they don't have that bleeding and that degree of interference in their, mm. in their normal life afterwards. But again, as with the pelvic floor side of things, everything is uh, sort of very individual. Um, 
In particular, some women say they may notice a change in, in the nature of orgasm mm-hmm. um, after hysterectomy, but that's not reported very commonly at all. Okay. And that's why also is it important, um, do you often recommend um, the importance of pelvic floor and exercises and going and seeing a physio? It's interesting. I mean, all, all women should yes. really be doing the pelvic and floor men. muscle exercise. <laughs> and men. Uh, should be doing the pelvic floor muscle exercise every day. Yes. The reality is we're all really busy and most of us don't. Mm. And if you are doing them, there's a reasonable chance that you're probably not doing them quite properly. Mm. Um, I actually send all of my patients along to see a, a dedicated women's health physiotherapist mm. um, to have a chat about their pelvic floor. And what they will actually do is they'll give you a, a baseline and say, this is where you're at now. But they'll actually, with an ultrasound, show you where your pelvic floor muscles are and actually teach you how to do your pelvic floor muscle exercises properly mm. um, so that you can keep them going and look after your long-term term, uh, pelvic floor health, which is very important. Absolutely. What are some common sort of feelings a woman may experience after having a hysterectomy? So hysterectomy conserving the ovaries. Um, I mean, obviously, it is a big operation. Mm. Some women do feel a bit of a sense of loss. Mm. Um losing their uterus, which has carried their babies. So it's Mm. important to recognise that. Um, Removing the ovaries is a much bigger uh, thing because obviously, especially if we're looking at a a woman who's uh, before the time of menopause or early perimenopausal, um, the loss of hormones is really a a significant thing Mm. um, at that stage. And you really need to look at why you're removing the ovaries and look at ways of managing those um, menopausal type symptoms if you are removing the ovaries. It's um, it's a very different thing mm. going into a surgical menopause, which is very quick, compared mm. to going through the natural menopause, which is sort of a much more gradual process. Yeah, so it sounds like reach out for help and support when you need it. Exactly, and ask for advice and, um, and make sure you get good advice on hormones and what you can take. What are some good sort of messages that really common questions that you would be asked and also messages that you'd like to really, that you think would be of benefit for us to know about hysterectomies? So I guess the key things are that it is a very common operation. Yeah. Um, the main thing is for women not to ignore symptoms. And unfortunately, over time, a lot of abnormal uterine bleeding with either heavy bleeding or very painful bleeding has kind of been normalised by the medical profession when it's actually not normal. Mm. And women need to be able to discuss those symptoms and problems and go through the range of potential options for them to to treat those symptoms Mm. and problems, which may or may not include hysterectomy depending on that patient. But have that discussion if and, and don't be afraid to, to find discussion. someone to have that with. Yes, correct. Thank you so much for joining me today That's on MediTalk. Okay. That's okay. It's a pleasure. A big thank you to Dr. Selfinger for sharing his time and knowledge with us today on MediTalk. And to learn more about Dr. Selfinger, visit sjog.org.au. If you feel this podcast episode can help a friend or a family member, please share as sharing knowledge empowers our lives and the lives of others. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. To listen to more episodes of MediTalk, visit meditalk.com.au. And if you have any medical conditions you would like to learn more about, please send me an email via danae at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and thank you for listening.